Welcome to a brand new episode of Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, from Mastermind Team's Robcast. And with me today, I have the esteemed um, pleasure of welcoming Lee Kondarachi to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So I, I have you, like, now I always try to, like, say... What is the person's like talent? What are their what's their thing? And I might have down like one thing, and I have like actor. I have that with like the strong <laughs> OR at the end. Um, but you're you're much you're much deeper than that. You're an academic. I don't I'm I'm gonna word cloud it real quick. Academic uh donuts, um <laughs> taste tests. Uh let's <laughs> I've, I've watched these videos. I know at the beginning before we got started, I seemed like I was a little bit of like, this guy has no idea who he's talking to. I'm like, yeah, I watched these taste tests. These, uh, what is it, the watermelon seed nonsense? I was the like, watermelon seed butter. That was out of control. I had no idea what I was getting myself into with that one. As, but as you know what, you, now we know. As soon as you put it in your mouth and I saw the expression on your face, I was like, she made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would not take it back. Because now the world has this information. So, so it's a warning. Let that be a warning. Do not try watermelon seed butter. I do not recommend. Yeah, uh, that is on. <laughs> and, and we'll get into other things you might want to recommend or what have you over, you know, towards the, the end when we have some like rapid fire kind of questions. But um, so tell us a little bit about some of your creative talents and your interests. Because Definitely, you, you, you pop as a creative individual, and I want to have you to kind of tell some of your story. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, actor, I guess, is part of the equation. I've, I've been doing theater and performing since I was, like, a little kid. Uh, I stopped doing that so much a couple years ago, and there for a couple reasons. And one of those is, quite frankly, because... Uh, as a pretty white woman, I saw way too many people who look like me on stage. And I was like, frankly sick of it. I was like, why are there, why is the stage full of white women? And then I was like, oh wait, I'm part of the problem. Um, so I, I kind of took myself off of the stage um, for that reason, just cause you know, there's kind of an oversaturation of that as far as representation, but also those are stories that, you know, continue to be told. And I think it, you know, it's, there's enough of that, but also I kind of have seen my role um, kind of morph more into an academic role as far as like dramaturgy and research and text work and kind of getting to the meat behind what's on the stage, looking at the text and, and the script, but also things like um, sociological issues or sociocultural political issues, issues of identity, things that would form the world of the play and form the world that we're in. And so these things should all, should, should, not always are, but should be present in the production. Uh, so I think I've kind of seen my role as, you know, with the academic work that I do, focuses on theater and performance and feminist theories and issues of representation and identity. And so with that, doing that kind of work, in my professional life, in my academic life, I kind of saw myself just wanting to do more of that kind of work as far as the actual theater production world. So that's kind of what, where I see my role shifting or has been shifting. Sure. And I think that's kind of where I want to continue to go with that is, is help theater makers 
communicate the messages that they want to communicate and not maybe like accidentally communicate something that they didn't need to say. Um, and just be more meaningful and intentional uh, and responsible when it comes to sociocultural issues and issues of identity representation. So that's kind of where I'm at in a nutshell. Uh, that was the best version of someone breaking down where they're at and what it is. Well thought out, as, as expected, of course. Because uh, some people like, yeah, I'm doing a little bit of this. I paint on occasion. And, <laughs> eh, you know, it's like, what, what did you know? Uh, so... <laughs> I, and I, I, I dig that, like, not, not necessarily in the kind of theater sphere, but like just in, I guess, like media or like, I, I know sometimes I'll watch like a TV show, I'll watch a movie or something. I'm like, nah, they wouldn't say that during that time. They're not saying that in the 30s. They're not, mm-hmm. they, you know, this is not something that's happening in the 30s. It's like, I know I was born in the 80s. I know I didn't like do a lot of research <laughs> in the 30s, but I guarantee you, like, Man, what the shit was not said in 1931. <laughs> I guarantee it. It's just like we need someone to vet these things, and that's on like a, like a potty humor kind of level, not on a real issues that people were really facing during these times. So having someone that, for lack of a better term, is able to help vet like the reality of what was taking place during that time is is crucial, and I think definitely for for plays is important for theater is important. Yeah, um, and I think so. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just gonna say, I think too, like we run into issues when we want to take like a Shakespeare play and set it in like 1910 World War, or like, you know, World War One, And it's like, wow, there's a lot of work we need to unpack with that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I mean, I always thought like, just, I want every, I want every play. I want every work set in like 1995, like just backwards hats, the whole thing. Let's, let's do it. You know, we got ring pops. I was 10. It's fine. <laughs> uh, um, so Baltimore, cause that's, that's one of the things that, um, I guess the root of this this podcast came out of me having a desire to highlight people who are doing dope shit, who are cool people, and who, namely, are, are about Baltimore. So, uh, describe. So it's going to be Baltimore centric, I guess. So, kind of describe the the scene here a little bit for those who may not travel and may not see anything here, any of the entertainment here, any of the uh, the theater here. Can you describe the scene in Baltimore, the theater scene? Uh, so the theater scene here, we've got, so we have a couple larger playhouses, uh, like we've got our center stage, which is a major regional theater, and it does, not all regional theaters are this way, but I think center stage is really great in that they make an effort to produce new plays by up-and-coming playwrights, a lot of women, a lot of people of color, queer people, like kind of just trying to get these new up-and-coming voices out um, instead of just all these old, like, you know, we're doing the crucible again, (laughs) like, you know, this kind of like old tried and true, these old chestnuts. And like, you know, I saw their season coming up. They've got, they're doing Our Town, um, which is an old chestnut, but I'm actually looking forward to what they're going to do just because of how their seasons have been shaping up in in recent years. So, I mean, Center Stage, I think is doing a pretty good job um, as far as their 
their stuff and they, you know, they make it accessible. It's easy to get cheap and expensive tickets to a lot of their shows. So good job center stage. So that's like kind of our big, big playhouse here. Um, we've also got a couple larger ones. Like we got every man they do, you know, they're also an equity theater, which means that they get mostly like professional actors. Uh, they, we also, we also have Chesapeake Shakespeare, which has their own space, which is very lovely and gorgeous. So that gives them like having a space in Baltimore theater is a huge deal because most theater companies don't have a permanent space where that they can call their own. So for a, a theater company like Chesapeake has this gorgeous space in downtown Baltimore. So that, you know, that's pretty sweet and attracts a lot of audiences because it's a really, you know, having a nice place to see a show is great. Um, but that being said, there's plenty of smaller theater going on in like found spaces, warehouse spaces, somebody's house, a backyard, like these things, these are things that happen. Um, or, you know, someone said like, oh yeah, you can use my restaurant for this or something. Like, I mean, things like that do happen. And I think um, there's also a sharing of spaces because the community is, the theater community is pretty small. So everyone kind of works together on stuff, sure. um, sharing resources, sharing things like props. Um, a lot of actors will work with multiple different companies. So a lot of the theater scene is just very small, like um, collective based theater that's, that's small, but they do good work. Um, as far as the talent, I think the talent we have in Baltimore, especially the onstage acting talent is so excellent. Um, a couple theater companies I want to shout out though, uh, definitely want to shout out Art Centric. Um, they are, um, a black led and black run company and they've done, uh, they've done productions that are like kind of run the gamut, everything from like little shop of horrors to hair. And then they recently did this production. Um, I'm going to mess up the title. It's called, we are proud to present. Well, they, they were calling it. We are proud to present because the actual title is really long. Let me look it up really quick. Oh, feel free. It's called, we are proud. It's by Jackie Sybil's Drury who won the Pulitzer, uh, I think last year for her play called Fairview, but she wrote this play. Um, we are proud to present. Okay. We are proud to present a presentation about the Herero of Namibia, formerly known as Southwest Africa, from the German Sudwest Africa between the years 1884 to 1915. That's the title of the play. That, um, <laughs> that sounds like a Fallout Boy song title from. <laughs> <laughs> it. Oh my gosh, you are so right. Yeah, it does. Um, and that play was it was super cool because the structure of it was set up like okay, like we're a group of actors and we're putting on a production. So it was kind of a meta theatrical kind of thing. Sure. Uh, and dramatically, it's a really hard play to pull off just in terms of the structure and how it works dramatically. And I know because a lot of my friends were in it, um, including my boyfriend who was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, <laughs> it's just really, really challenging. Um, my friend Terrence, first time director, he was directing it. So I, you know, I was really excited to see it and, you know, challenging play, but it was a, a bold move to do a, a play like that. That's, um, it's challenging like that. And I, I was really impressed by the work that they did with that. So definitely art centric. Want to shout them out. Um, really fantastic. Um, let's see who else I want to shout out. Uh, oh, who was it that did one sec. You're going to have to edit out my little pause here. That's all good. Uh, <laughs> um, I can't believe I'm breaking on the blanking on these people's names. 
but I I, I do it all the time. I was like, uh, better information is coming. Ah, I forgot that person's thing. Uh, what? And it's not silhouette. Not silhouette. What is the name? Spring Awakening. They did Spring Awakening a couple years ago. Okay, well. Anyway, I'll remember it later. Um, I also want to shout out, um, there's a brand new theater company that just kind of started out, uh, I think last year in 2019. They're called Two Strikes Theater Collective. It's an all-black women theater company. Okay. Um, and it's formed by black women. And um, I think there's five company members uh, and I'm friends with all of them and they're, they're fantastic artists. They're really, really wonderful actors, directors. And so I want to shout them out. So that's Two Strikes Theater Collective. Um, so those are two, like, those are two uh, groups that come right to mind. Um, but you've got, and then you've got groups like the bros who do rock opera and that's always like a big party. And so they're, and they're pretty well, well known around, um, almost as much for their vibrant social presence as they are for their uh, art that they do. Um, I do think that that's something that characterizes Baltimore theater a bit is that it's just as much about that social community yeah. as it is about putting on the shows. So I think a lot of people find that they find, um, you know, a group that kind of fits their style because sure. Baltimore is very like DIY, I think in a lot of the art and that also extends to theater art for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, when you said DIY, I was like, Oh, Dan Deacon, Dan Deacon. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 um, like having, like, I've never like, acted like in professionally or anything along those lines like in real life yes i've acted i've lied and played someone else um but <laughs> it I, I think having a appreciation for like what it takes to get up on stage and doing like some of the live shows so like in some some degree i am playing a more amped up version of my actual like self or what have you so it's like all right remember there are people in front of you and things of that nature and it's just like all right and I remember when we did our like 10th anniversary show, we um, did some stuff at Big Improv. And it's just like, oh, there's no one here to do this. I have to do this. I have to quickly learn how to do this while I should be prepping for this show. And I don't want to be on stage the entire time. And I was like, I'm enormous. I want to be on stage. So it's like <laughs> that, that respect in, in seeing that um, we have like, one of the things like that, that I've kind of heard from you is that we have a lot of talented, talented people that are here, um, that are acting, that are working in, in that scene. And that's been a thread. Like almost every person I talk to outside of not having an idea of what they're doing, they know a lot of cool people that are talented, that are doing a lot of good stuff that I think people outside of Baltimore don't really grasp that we have a lot of good shit going on here. And it's yeah. Just, yeah, everyone's getting murked. Like, well, some people are acting and some people are doing music and painting and art. So everyone's not getting murked. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's just always something going on. Um, and I do, I, um, while you were just talking, I also remembered one other theater company that I do want to shout out. Um, it's Fools and Mad Men. Um, they are an all people color um, theater troupe that does Shakespeare. And what they do is hip hop Shakespeare and they will use part of Shakespeare's text and then Josh Thomas, who is their music director and one of their founding artistic directors. I'm not sure if that's his title, artistic director anymore. I mean, he's a founding member uh, and he writes hip hop lyrics to accompany um, 
and music. So he does the rap lyrics and then like the hip hop music to accompany the Shakespearean text. And they kind of roll those together into usually about an hour long performance that they'll then perform for the community, but they also take it around to schools in Baltimore. Sure. So it's, yeah, so it's super cool. They've done two, per, two shows so far. They did Lear two years ago, and then last year they did Much Ado About Nothing. And they were supposed to do Julius Caesar this year and have it be like a really uh, interesting examination of, masculine, of masculinity and male friendship. Um, and I thought that was a really cool thing to focus on for, for that production. And unfortunately, we all know what happened um, this spring. So theater is, is on hiatus. What are you talking you, about? Everything's you, been yeah. normal. <laughs> just totally right? normal. We're all just enjoying our lives. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and thank you. Um, and definitely we'll link after this because I want to check that out when, when it gets started and be friends and maybe have them on and all of that good stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're great people. Um, and like they're doing, yeah, they're doing really cool adaptations of these plays. Uh, and the music is really awesome. So I would, yeah, you could probably have them on and, and have like a little sample of their music and like what they do. And it's, it's just really freaking cool. They were talking about doing possibly um doing like a an online rap battle kind of thing because they did that uh right yeah. before the pandemic they did they hosted at the motor house they hosted a live rap battle yeah and it was like they had to do there were like different components so they had to rap a shakespearean sonnet and then like make up a rap battle like make up a rap based on one of the plays and then i think there was like an improv round it was it was wild it was great so, so yeah. i i don't have I have a story that might be similar and I'm not going to go into it outside of mentioning that in high school it's not necessarily um, a play or anything along those lines but I did a rap song about Beowulf and uh, yes if I could find <laughs> it I will share it with you and I was trying my damnness to impress a girl I was like I am English lit Rob right now let's do it she was super impressed, right? Uh, yes, she was. And uh, <laughs> it became my, my nickname for the last, like, two years. I was a sophomore, so I made a bad choice. But it was my nickname <laughs> for the last two years of high school. It's like, yeah, Murder Max right there. I was like, yeah. Oh, out there right. spot, baby. <laughs> that is, like, peak nerd. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, real quick, uh, describe your connection to Baltimore. Are you a transplant here? Are you from here? What's the that situation like? I was born and raised in Baltimore, um, whoop, right around whoop. the, yeah, right around the Hamden area, um, but just off like Cold Spring Lane. That's kind of where I, that's where I spent like the first about 13, 14 years of my life. Um, then lived in Towson for a little bit and then went away to college and then did like a very brief stint in New York, but moved back because I decided that I wanted to experience Baltimore like as a grown up. Because I realized, you know, being a kid in Baltimore is one thing, but then once you realize that there are many other things to do when you're a grown-up in Baltimore that are really cool and fun, I think I realized, oh, wow, I'm not done with this place. Um, and so came back when I was age 22 and, or 23 and decided to stay here. So that's kind of, and now I'm, I, I live here, I live in Patterson Park, um, 
and am living the good life. So, so yeah. I'm over there every day. It's part of my morning walk slash run. And uh, I always, it's, it's weird. I try to do a walk one block and then I run through the next block because I have these wow insolence and I was like, all right, and I'm blowing through Charmed uh, Coffee yet again, the Charmed Cafe, what have you, yet again. I was like, I'm supposed to stop in there. Why can't I, like, sort this out? Make this the walk block instead of running through it. <laughs> and it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so let's see. Uh, before we get into some rapid-fire questions, these are just random questions. Um, okay. But it, it relates to, you know, Baltimore things and things I may have read. Uh, so let's see. Um Describe your favorite experience um, in theater, like just your favorite experiences, because there may be several, but a few of your favorite experiences in theater, maybe from the kind of educational side and from the acting side. Wow. Um, so one of, this is, this is going to be cheesy. Well, I'll save the cheesy one for last. Uh, okay. So one of my favorite experiences was when I was a, as a senior in college and I directed a play for my senior thesis. Um, and this is this is super nerdy, but the play is, uh, it's called Galatea and it's by this guy named John Lilly who wrote plays around the same time that Shakespeare did, but like isn't as famous as Shakespeare. And so this is his like really famous play or, you know, as famous as, as his, this is his most famous play. And I directed it and I want And the play is all about like, um, well, what we would call today queer love. And um, there's like cross-dressing and these two girls fall in love in the woods when they're both dressed up like boys. And so they, it's like, you know, cross-dressing and like, um, you know, these very Shakespearean tropes, like in Elizabethan England, it was, they always kind of had, or not always, but often had this kind of like girls dressed as boys, boys dressed as girls, because they were all very aware of the fact that all the men on stage were, you know, they were all men on stage, so they're like dressing up as women. So they kind of like had this awareness of like the performative, the performativity of gender. Well, that's what we would call it now, right? So I wanted to do this play and have it be like a glam rock spectacle. So I had like David Bowie and like Lou Reed and like this soundtrack of like all this like glitter rock from the seventies. And then there are gods and goddesses in the play. So they like had glitter makeup and like the goddess Venus had these gorgeous feathery wings. And like when she came out, like we had a fan blowing feathers into the audience. Um, and I really just wanted to do this as kind of my kind of, um, this rock spectacle uplifting the idea of, um, you know, performing gender and queerness as this kind of like empowering, fabulous thing, which is kind of how David Bowie was doing in the seventies and what that glam rock, I guess, movement you could call it was about kind of um, celebrating different kinds of, of gender performance. And so that was really fun. And the reason that was fun is because I did a lot of research. So I felt like I was very well informed to direct it. Right. But then also all my friends were in it. And so we just kind of, it was just really, really fun and, and crazy and, and cute. So that was a really good experience because it was like, oh, I did all of this work and that's why this play is successful. And right. kind of that informed going forward, that informed my viewpoint on theater because to me, doing all of that background work and research just made it better it wasn't a drag. It was like, oh, wow, the way that we get really cool theater is if we put in the, the work. So that's kind of, that was a very informative experience for me. Um, and then 
I think this is this this is also God. Everything in theater is cheesy, so like just deal with it. Um, I just thinking about like a recent experience. Well, not too, a few years ago. Um, disclaimer: I know there are a lot of issues with the musical Hamilton. I'm like really familiar with all of the criticisms. It's problematic in many ways, but guess what? So so are all of our faves. But I think the first time I I, I saw Hamilton. Um, it was this just incredible experience. Um, I think because there was a lot of expectation leading up to that and, you know, knowing, being familiar with the music and it's kind of like if you've always wanted to see like your favorite band in concert and then you go, it's like you, you're familiar with it and then you have no idea what, like how great it would actually be in person. And I think just being in, in that, um, in the room where it happened, as it were, um, was, was a really great experience. I won't say it's like the best show I ever saw, because it's definitely not. But I think to be in there and kind of finally, because like to have all this anticipation to see a show and then seeing the show was a really cool experience to have. It was very moving. Um, and it's, you know, I think, I don't know if I've ever anticipated seeing a production of a show as much as I had anticipated seeing Hamilton. And then seeing Hamilton, just kind of like, wow, this is really happening. Um, that was a cool feeling. And then finally, this is to this this is the cheesy one. So a few, <laughs> a few years ago, I was in a play, and it was actually a series of ten minute plays. So it was like a bunch of like little ten minute plays, all written by local um, local playwrights. And so the, these 10 plays were all picked around the theme of magic. So magic was like this kind of vague like that the playwrights were asked to come up with a play right on this theme and so and then we picked the top 10 that we wanted to perform sure and it was a cast of like eight people i think it was eight people just playing all the roles in all the different plays and it was super fun uh, and there was this one play in particular that i was in that was written by really brilliant really brilliant um local playwright, actress, artist, uh, Tatiana Naya Ford. She is absolutely fantastic. And I don't, I don't even know how she comes up with some of the stuff she writes because this one was off the wall bonkers. It was like a space opera. <laughs> so like, it was like in outer space and I was a space witch. And then <laughs> um, it, but there was like a, and we were galaxies away, but then it was a romance. So it was like very elevated stakes. And so the, the guy, the, the commander of like the space army was like my lover. And there was like this like kind of like relationship. But what happened was the guy that was playing that guy was one of my really good friends. And we had to, we had to make out in the play. And when we made out in the play, I was like, I want to make out with him for real. And now he's my boyfriend. So that's she like that's like I mean I guess that happens sometimes. Um, that's when really you sweet, do. actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that happened, but and and that's a really like fond memory I have of of theater. Of theater. Uh, yes. Then uh, let's see, and, and thank you for sharing that. That's that's great. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to ask you three questions. I think we're coming up against it because Zoom is Zoom. Um, but let's see, I'm going to ask you maybe three, maybe four questions. Um, they're kind of food related though. So we'll see. Best donuts in Baltimore. Oh my gosh. I I'm putting you on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot here. 
So in my mind, it's a tie. Um, it's got to be a oh man. It's, it's Diablo and full circle and they're just neck and neck. It's going to be Diablo and full circle. Um, I mean, I think those are two really different donuts. Good. They just have really different styles. Um, but man, I think, you know, if you ask me right now, I would say Diablo, I would have that, that old Bay, uh, donut from, from Diablo, right? This moment. That Captain, that Captain Chesapeake. They are they are friends. Uh, when we did our um, 10th anniversary show, we had um, Ross gave us four donut, four dozen donuts for um, concession or have you. So it was uh, we're friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, this is a very Baltimore question. And it's a point of contention for some folks. Favorite snowball flavor? <sighs> Skylight. Skylight. The blue. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a, that's a thing right there because usually you'll hear anywhere from like cherry. I've, that, that's not the first time I've heard skylight, and you'll always hear a custard. Um, we we had a um, a thing at one point where uh, me and uh, Dan, my, my co-host, we were like putting up banners and stuff for the live show at Big um, Last Artscape. We're sweating out our ethnicities, and, <laughs> and and someone was like, "So what's a Baltimore snowball?" So we took a moment to educate this man. It's like. Oh, man. <laughs> you're doing it wrong like if you're gonna get it we're buying our snowballs it's like we're eating there's like snowballs like like freaking ice is just flying off the spoons because we're so animated we're like here's the thing sir you have to know <laughs> um and I'll, I'll throw the last two in there this one is uh very baltimore as well and the last one is more of a recommendation if anything um best crab cake fadley's gotta okay. go with fadley's yep yeah, Fadley's, like good memories of, like just being in Lexington Market, you know, and eating your Fadley's crab cake. Yes, um, and that, and that's for all you 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 non-Baltimoreans coming here trying this this these junk cakes. Go to the real places where the locals go. Yeah, you don't want the back fin. Get the jumbo lump. I mean, mm-hmm. if you so especially at at Fadley's, you'll notice when you go because you gotta go. You'll notice you have the options of like. May, they might not call it back fin, but like it's like the lesser expensive option. And you'll notice that the jumbo lump option is like really expensive. And you'll be like, is it worth it? And it is like for a special treat. For yeah. a special. And lastly, and and this one might be might be a thing. Uh, best Italian food. Best Italian food. Oh man. Um, my dad's house. Um, <laughs> I, I was waiting. I was like, I knew it's going to be like a relative's like, yeah. Um, oh, my dad's house. But like, I honestly really, really enjoy Soda Sopra. I think that they do really, um, really creative uh, dishes. And they always use, try to use like seasonal flavors. And I think it's really great. And also they have a hundred million cheeses on their cheese menu. And that's very important. If you get, if you like cheese plates, which oh. I love cheese plates, well, uh, it's very important to have a selection. You know, you you've you've sold the ticket for me and the the girl faced. Uh, we're gonna have to <laughs> go there because usually I'm just going to like La Scala. It's like, yo, let me get the chicken sultan boca. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. But now, now I know of that new places, <laughs> new places. Well, that's it. Um, any right. quick like like shout outs or anything you want people to check out um like your your stuff or anything that you got coming up um and we can wrap up um 
Personally, I am just, well, I'm, this is, this isn't, I don't know if you want to check this out because I don't know if it's going to be published or not, but I'm writing an, a journal article right now. So that's like my main, uh, my main focus. Um, but I think, you know, if you just want to check out the theater companies I mentioned, so um, Two Strikes Theater Collective, Art Centric, and Fools and Mad Men, I would, you know, be very encouraging to you to check those guys out. Um, for now, because right now I'm not working on a theater project, so I'm just trying to send love their way. Well, that's great. And um, that's it, actually. So for Lee, I'm Rob Lee. See, I did that. Um, saying uh, <laughs> there's art everywhere. You just have to look for it.